This is Encounters, a dialogue that brings you multifaceted life stories you don't want to miss. This pretty young Chinese girl who opened the door, I thought she was about 16. So I thought to myself, hmm, my son didn't have a girlfriend at the ah, time, so I thought maybe they can get together a little. Okay. And then I went to visit my friend's wife. I said to her, how old is Sabrina anyway? And Alison said, oh, I think she's about 33. My goodness. So I said to myself, okay, time for you to get out of the road, son. This one's for your dad. Before I came to China, I had no idea at all about what China would be like. I had a rather stereotypical vision. And obviously, when I arrived in China, I realized that it was completely different. What I actually found was a very normal, very ordinary, much more modern country than I had expected. But the most important thing was the normality of the place. It was ordinary people concerned with ordinary people's things. And largely that means having food on the table, clothes on your back, a house over your head, a school for your kids and prospects for a better future. Uh, one of the features of China, one of the characteristics of Chinese that I like most is how open and kind they are, uh, particularly with visitors and even more so with foreign visitors. I felt very much at home. Hello and welcome. I'm Manling in Beijing. My guest today is David Ferguson, an editor with the Foreign Languages Press, a leading publishing house based in Beijing. David is Scottish, but when we first met, he jokingly told me he is a Dongbei Ren, which means a local from northeast China. Dongbei is a region that boasts fertile land and rice production, and its locals are famous for having a good sense of humor. Most Chinese people would be able to name at least a handful of comedians coming from Dongbei. So why does David claim to be a Dongbei Ren? What similarities has he found between Dongbei and his hometown of Edinburgh? Stay tuned and listen. Welcome to the studio and thank you for coming to the show. Um, can you introduce yourself to our listeners? Yeah, my name is David Ferguson. I come from Scotland. I've been in China for about 13 or 14 years now. At the moment, I work for CIPG, China International Publishing Group, and I work for one of their companies called Foreign Languages Press, which publishes books that are written in Chinese and then translated into English for an international readership. My job is to edit these books. Let's talk about your life here. When did you come to China? The first moment China came into your life. When was that? Well, the first moment that China came into my life was when I met my wife. And that's, ah. that's actually quite an interesting story. Let me tell you that story. I was working in Manchester at the time with my brother and we had a media production company. That's when I did my work as a journalist. And we had a job to do in a town called Hull, which is over on the East Coast. I had some good friends there that I hadn't seen for a long time. So I went over to, uh, to Hull and I thought I would stop in and visit my friend's mother because mm -hmm. my friend wasn't actually there. So I went round to her house and I rang the bell 
and it wasn't her who opened the door. It was a very pretty young Chinese girl. Love at the first sight? Not exactly, because I was with my son who was doing some work with me and he was about 19. So you were already and married? No, 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 no. I hadn't been married. I hadn't been married. No, I wasn't married anymore at the time. Anyway, this pretty young Chinese girl who opened the door, I thought she was about 16. Only 16? I thought she was about 16. Oh, she looked so young, right? So I thought to myself, hmm, my son didn't have a girlfriend at the ah, time, so I thought maybe they can get together a little. Okay. And then I went to visit my friend's wife. Uh, we all went together. Mm -hmm. And my son was outside in the garden with this young Chinese girl whose name was Sabrina. Mm -hmm. And I was inside with my friend's wife. And I said to uh, Alison, I said to her, how old is Sabrina anyway? And Alison said, oh, I think she's about 33. My goodness. So I said to myself, OK, time for you to get out of the road, son. This one's for your dad. Oh, my goodness. One of the other interesting things is that you might be aware of is that there is a film which is very popular in China called Sabrina. Mm, and yes. that is where my wife actually took her English name. She took her English name from the Sabrina in the film. Now, I don't know if you know the name of the man that she falls in love with in the film. His name is David. Oh, yes, so indeed. In Sabrina, Sabrina falls in love with David. So really? It seemed like... The characters have the same name with you and yes, your wife? Yes, My goodness. Yes. So it's like a, a movie in reality, right? Well, the story it seemed that we were fated to get together. But what's so special about her that attracted you? Well, it's difficult to say. There, isn't, there wasn't just one thing. I mean, she was pretty and interesting. She had obviously a lot of character because she'd come over to study in the UK on her own. Her English was good, but not great. So she'd had, she was having to do a foundation course first. And I thought it was quite brave of her mm -hmm. to do that. I'd never really come into contact with many Chinese people before and I didn't have any Chinese friends mm -hmm. prior to that. Mm -hmm, I mm -hmm. probably encountered some Chinese people, mostly American Chinese. When I was working as a consultant, I worked with an American company, but I had not had a lot of contact with Chinese people. I found her very attractive. Before you met your wife, what was the impression of China in your mind then? Well, that's an interesting Have question. Have you ever thought of coming to China for a visit or even settling down? None at all. So I didn't know anything about China. I was a cosmopolitan person. I'd spent most of my adult life working outside of Scotland. I'd travelled the world from most corners. But I'd never been to China and China just was not on my radar screen at all. I didn't really know any Chinese. I didn't know anything much about China. I didn't know about its geography. I didn't know about its history. I didn't know about contemporary China. It just was not on my radar screen at all until I met Mochi. Until love yes. right comes to your life. And then you decided to come to China. Which year was that? We first came in 2004. We met in 2003 when Mochvin was in Hull. And we came to China for the very first time in 2004 to meet her family. So which city you visited first? Wow, so well, that's... Jilin Shi, Jilin Shang. 
We flew into Beijing, but we stayed one night in Beijing, and then we went straight up to Changchun,、mm. and we met some of Mochun's friends, and then we spent a night in Changchun, and then we went to Jilin. So my first impressions of China were really about Dongbei. <laughs> As I say, before I came to China, I had no idea at all about what China would be like. I had a rather stereotypical vision. That there would be a couple of outposts of modernity in places like Beijing and Shanghai,、yeah. and that the rest of the country would be hundreds of millions of whey-faced peasants in grey Mao suits. That was pretty much the impression I had, and it's a stereotypical Western impression, which a lot of people still seem to have. And obviously, when I arrived in China, I realised that it was completely different. My idea of China was completely wrong. What I actually found. Was a very normal, very ordinary, much more modern country than I had expected, with、uh, ordinary people wearing colourful clothes and going to the same kind of shops that I would go to back home. But the most important thing was the normality of the place. It was ordinary people concerned with ordinary people's things, and largely that means having food on the table, clothes on your back, a house over your head, a school for your kids, and prospects for a better. Future. That is what most people aspire to, and that is what I encountered when I first came to China. Yes, amongst the different people and different nationalities and peoples, I I mean, humanity concerns are the same, but we do have different customs and traditions. So, anything that impressed you that oh, this is very Chinese. Well, I'll tell you, when I arrived in China, and a friend of Mochin's who lived in Beijing came to collect us. I feel very bleary, and the last thing I wanted to do was eat lunch. But because it was lunchtime in China, and because it was obviously a courtesy, and it was my very first visit, the first thing our friend did was take us to a restaurant. And the very first dish that I was offered to eat in China was cold pickled chicken's feet. <laughs> The idea. What was your response then? How did you react to such hospitality? I couldn't believe that anybody would try to eat a cold pickled chicken's food. I had no idea what to do with it. Yeah, what did you do I, then? Well, I tried to eat it. My goodness! You, at, at least you have good attitude. Well, I always eat everything that I'm ever offered in China, and I know that Chinese people sometimes like to challenge their foreign guests. By offering them strange things, but I always make a point of never allowing myself to be beaten. So I always eat whatever I'm offered. Now I can、oh, eat them with pleasure,、yeah. and I can even eat hot, spicy、oh, chicken's feet as well. One day、Sichuan. I'm going to treat you, you with some、much. specially cooked chicken's feet. That was interesting. What about your language? Because at that time you didn't speak at all, right? Did I, your wife try to, you know, train you a little bit? I、know? did. I did actually try to learn a little Chinese with her before I came, and it went quite well at the time.、Mm-hmm. Um, I speak a number of foreign languages, and I was a good linguist when I was young. But I made a profound mistake, which I very much regret now. Which was that when I came to China, I assumed I would learn Chinese without too much difficulty. And I thought I could learn the language by absorption, just by being here and talking to people. And that was a big mistake for two reasons: one, because I was much older, 
and the language learning part of your brain doesn't work as well. My <laughs> mind didn't remember the things it was ah, supposed to remember. Okay. And the other reason is that Chinese is just a very different language. It's very different from Western European languages. There are no common roots at all. And the only way to learn it is off by heart. And what I should have done really was I should have gone to university and I should have spent six months doing an intensive language course. And if I'd done that, I think I would have got to a certain level that I could then have made progress. Actually, but I tried to learn it informally and it didn't work. Yes. How were you received by your in-laws? I was received very well. Uh, one of the features of China, one of the characteristics of Chinese that I like most is how open and kind they are, uh, particularly with visitors and even more so with foreign visitors. Both my parents-in-law were still alive. Unfortunately, they've both died now. I was received very well. I felt very much at home. Did you feel lonely then? Have you ever had any chances of meeting other Westerners? Well, I didn't feel in the slightest lonely, to be honest, but we lived in Jilin. We occasionally visited Changchun. What was interesting about Jilin at the time was that there were no other foreign visitors who were there on any kind of long-term basis. I was the only one. But nowadays that's completely changed. There's actually quite a large population of foreign people working in Zilin. Most of them are teachers. Mm -hmm. So there's actually quite a big community now and it's quite lively. And now there are some decent pubs in Zilin. So I very much enjoy going back there. Did you observe any kind of uh, entertainment activities of the local people? The thing that struck me most was something that you just would not see at all in Britain all over China, and that is people, older people mostly, but not exclusively, entertaining themselves in the parks and public places. People are outside dancing and singing and playing musical instruments and doing Tai Chi and exercising, and that's something that you just wouldn't see in a Western country, in a Western culture. And it's very, very strange to see when you see it for the first time, because it's, it's something that you don't know about and you don't expect, and it's not something you've seen ever before. It was so strange. Have you ever ventured to join them? Of course, I get dragged in all the time. Really? Particularly the square dancing? Well, particularly in Zilin because I was the only foreigner. I mean, I used to go out jogging every day. I used to enjoy that. It's one of the things I really like about Zilin is that you can run along the river. Um, they've done a huge amount of work in the time that I've been there, building parks and paths along the river, and it's, it's lovely now. But whenever I went running along the river, any little kids who saw me, they would always wave to me and say, welcome to Zilin, welcome to China, either in Chinese or if they could speak a little English, they would try it in English. But when I ran past a dancing group, they would always drag me in and insist that I join them. They would always drag you oh, and you yeah. didn't feel offended. Of course not, no. You welcomed it, of you course, liked it. Yes. Uh, one of positive characteristics of Scottish people is that we're very open-hearted too. And actually what I found in Dombey is that uh, we shared a lot in common in terms of our outlook on life. We were open-minded, we were welcoming, we knew how to have fun. How you guys were dancing back in Scotland. From time to time, the idea does occur to me to actually set up a Scottish dancing group in the Tzu Juyuan. 
to Zhu Yuan, the Purple Bamboo Park Purple in Bamboo Beijing. Park. I live right next door to the Purple Bamboo Park, so I often go for a walk or a run in the park. And the thought has occurred to me that maybe it would be a good idea to set up a, a Scottish dance group, but I don't think I'm old enough yet. Ah, I don't think I'm old enough. You're not old enough. You not need quite. to wait a few year, more years, retired. right? I'm not retired. Oh, you need to retire yeah, so that you have so. time to engage in yes. such activities. How many cities have you visited so far? Well, I've had the good fortune to visit a lot of China through my work. I've worked as a journalist and I've written books about a number of places. I've tried to count and I think I've visited something between 30 and 40 cities. Wow. Now, I've visited, I haven't been to Heilongjiang, but I've been to um, obviously Jilin and um, to Shenyang. Uh, I've been to Shandong. I've visited most of the East Coast, in fact. I've visited Guangdong and uh, Guangxi and Sichuan. So I've visited a lot of China. And as I say, I've been to maybe 30 or 40 cities by now. Close your eyes and tell me which city you like most. The most unforgettable city is one I do like very much. I'm not sure whether I would want to live there. It's Suzhou. Suzhou you like Jalsu. it, but you, you're not sure whether you're going to The only it. reason that is because there are a couple of places that I prefer. The reason Suzhou ex- impressed me so much is because the old city has been preserved so well. And it's the only place I've really been, the only city I've been to, where you can walk for half an hour and genuinely feel like you're in China as it was 100 or even 200 years ago. You can walk the streets and the streets stretch out. Uh, the other reason I liked Suzhou and was impressed by Suzhou is because it's a hugely modern city as well. It has a huge modern, the Singapore Industrial Park is a very impressive modern area. So it's a blend of both ancient and modern. It's got all these beautiful gardens, a lot of very attractive places to visit. I wrote a book about Suzhou and I really, really enjoyed it. But the only reason why it might not be the place I would choose to live is because the places that I really like are Jilin and I like Shandong. Why? I like Jilin very much because it's a small city and it's easy to get out of. I like it because the weather is very clement, although it gets cold and hot. I like it because there's a river runs right through the centre and it's very beautiful. It's got the Songhua Lake just outside and the mm-hmm. Changbai Shan. Mm-hmm. And I like the countryside. I like to be able to get out of a city. My hometown is Edinburgh. And one of the reasons I like Edinburgh is because you can get out of it. And the other place that I really like going to is Shandong. Which part I of Shandong? I like the coastal cities of Shandong. I liked Qingdao very much. I visited mm-hmm. Qingdao early, not long after I arrived in China, and I really liked it. But I like the cities along the north coast, like Yantai and Weihai. Do you enjoy Qingdao beer? I do. I do enjoy Qingdao beer. The reason that I like these cities is because, they, because they're on the sea. They, they're small. They remind me of Edinburgh, but it's like being at home, only the weather is nicer. Mm -hmm. The Great Castle in Edinburgh was so impressive to me. If I ask you to recommend places to visit to your friends in Scotland or in the UK, what will be the itinerary that you're going to suggest to them? I would suggest that they have to come to Shanghai and Beijing because they have to see them because these are the centres. It's like going to the UK, you have to go to London might not actually be the nicest place to go, 
but there are things that you have to see when you're there. So certainly they ought to go to Shanghai because it's a very lively city. Mm-hmm. They should come to Beijing to see the, the Forbidden City and the Great Wall. You can't miss the Great Wall. But the other places that I would recommend, I would recommend obviously Guangxi. I would recommend Suzhou. I would recommend Shandong, and I would recommend I would recommend in particular Zilin because nobody has ever heard of it outside of China. Very, very few people are aware of Zilin. Is that because you are the son-in-law of that place, so yes, you are you are promoting it? Of course, yes, of oh, course. Oh, very But good. It, it deserves promotion yeah. as well. So Zilin has an ambassador now, right? <laughs> um, in terms, you write about these cities, right? Also. Uh, in your books, and then I want to know that if you're going to bring some Chinese gifts to your friends back home, what sort of things you choose or select? Well, I wish I could. I wish I could, but I can't. Why? The reason I can't is because when we go home, which we do every summer, every summer you went back to every Scotland. Every summer we go back to Scotland, uh-huh. but my wife always insists on filling our suitcases with sixty kilos of rice. Oh, she doesn't believe that we can get proper rice in Edinburgh. Ah,、uh, northeastern part. We do have the best rice. It's like when Chinese people taste whiskey. I can tell them that this whiskey is a great whiskey, and this whiskey is just an ordinary whiskey, and they can't really tell the difference. I have to be very honest with you; I cannot tell the difference between Dongbei rice and anybody else's rice. What a pity! But I believe you if you <laughs> tell me that it's really good. Then so this rice you. your wife on.、Um, Stuffed into your suitcase is for yourself to consume. Yes, it's for us.、Ah. It's for us, or sometimes some for some of our friends. What's interesting is that in the years I've been in China, the Chinese population across most of the Western world, but certainly in Edinburgh, the Chinese population has exploded. Far, far more people. Most of them students now. Very large numbers of students go to study in Edinburgh, but quite a lot of workers and other families too. And as a result of that, gradually Chinese businesses, proper Chinese businesses, are opening up in Edinburgh. So, for example, there have always been, for a long, long time, there have been Chinese restaurants in the UK. But basically, they were making Westernized Chinese food,、yeah. and it dates all the way back、mm-hmm. to the 19th century. But now, what's happening is that real Chinese restaurants are opening up because there's a big enough population that there's a demand for it.、Mm-hmm. And the other thing that's opening up is Chinese supermarkets. And right at the bottom of the street where I live, about a minute's walk from my home, there is a big new Chinese supermarket. But as far as I'm concerned. You can get everything you would possibly want, so we don't really need to be carrying sixty kilos of rice back with us anymore. Yeah, that's the point you are making. If I want you to use three words to describe the city that you are living in now, well, I thought about that, and to be honest, the words that I would use would be big, too big, and much too big. <laughs> That is great. Three okay, words. I know. I know that's really six words. Okay, I know. Beijing has changed a lot in the time that I've been here, and it has changed very much for the better. The air is cleaner. The water is cleaner. There's much more green space. For example, I can run from my apartment beside Zhuyuan.、Mm-hmm. I can run all the way up to the Summer Palace along the river. Without ever having to cross a road or confront any traffic,、mm-hmm. so in that sense, Beijing is a much, much better place to live. But from my perspective, it's still just too big, and there's too much traffic. 
I don't like cars. I don't use cars. I can't see why anybody needs a car in Beijing. How did you get here this morning? I I cycled and I took the metro. You and cycled here? No, I、today? didn't cycle. I didn't cycle all the way. I could have done. I cycled down here just a couple of weeks ago when I was running in the park down here.、Uh-huh. I cycled down from home. I used to like cycling in Beijing. I don't enjoy it so much now because the roads are so much busier. Mm-hmm. I still do cycle. One of the other things that's changed so much in the years that I've been here is the subway system.、Mm-hmm. Because when I arrived in Beijing, there were only really three lines. Yes, there was one and two and thirteen,、mm-hmm. and now there are something like sixteen or seventeen lines, maybe more. Yeah. So if I want to get around Beijing, I've got a bike. I've got subway. I don't need a car, and of course nowadays you've got Mobike and、uh, an Ofo as well, which is another big, big change. Probably the biggest physical change is all of these higher bikes. I share my story with you. When I was in London during two thousand and one to four as a journalist, they call tube. I kind of envy. So, oh, one day, how I wish that Beijing has the same thing. And then look at these years, two thousand and four until now, more than ten years. It has a much larger subway system here. Since 2004, when David first set foot in his wife's hometown, he has fallen in love with Ji Ling, and become an ambassador who voluntarily promotes the small city to other foreigners. And David is determined to share more China stories, particularly in a positive way, to Western readers. In the next episode, he tells us what prompted him to do so. I'm Manling in Beijing. Thank you for listening to our program. If you liked it and want to listen to us again, just find us on our website, China Plus dot CRI dot CN and Apple Podcasts.